Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom says he has, quote, no sympathy, no empathy whatsoever for people he described as creating havoc and terror on our streets. Newsom was referencing the recent spate of seemingly organized, large-scale smash-and-grab thefts that have hit usually high-end stores in such cities as San Francisco and Walnut Creek. There have also been robbery attempts in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills in recent days. During a news conference yesterday, the governor said that he expects the guilty to be found and prosecuted and people to feel safe while shopping over the holidays. In addition, Newsom said law enforcement, including the California Highway Patrol, will step up patrols to help protect crowded commercial shopping districts in the coming weeks. Over the summer, California reestablished a retail theft task force to deal with rising crime rates and to recover stolen merchandise. Governor Newsom also visited a vaccination site in San Francisco's Mission District yesterday to promote COVID-19 vaccine booster shots, particularly among people of color. About 17% of all the boosters uh, have been administered within the Latino community. That's not good enough. That's why we're here. Newsom thanked the Mission District's Latino Task Force for its work testing and vaccinating the local community and committed to more partnerships with similar organizations in the state to better reach communities of color. The governor said booster shots are particularly important in the winter months. Last year, between October and December, COVID-19 cases rose ninefold in the state. In Santa Cruz County, meanwhile, an indoor mask mandate has been reinstated due to increasing COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. The mandate requires everyone to wear face coverings when indoors, regardless of vaccination status. In a statement, Santa Cruz County Health Officer Dr. Gail Newell says a potential winter COVID surge appears to be a significant threat to the health and safety of the community. The health order even requires masks to be worn in private settings, including homes, when people who are not from the household are present. The previous mask order was rescinded in late September. Nevertheless, many see this holiday season as a bit of a return to normalcy. With the protection of COVID-19 vaccines, extended families are reuniting after being apart for months, if not years. KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports. Couples are meeting their in-laws for the first time. New babies are being introduced to the family. Thanksgiving 2021 will look more like pre-COVID years. Unlike last year, you know, we don't have to all stay at home for Thanksgiving. Andrew Neumer is an epidemiologist at UC Irvine. There are some precautions that we can and should take. We should vaccinate, we should boost, but you know, I'm not here to say that Thanksgiving is canceled. 
You also need to wait at least four days after an exposure to test for the virus. That means traveling through crowded airports and immediately testing won't give you an accurate result. It's just important to keep in mind the incubation period. You know, a negative test is not a watertight guarantee that there's no COVID going on. It just, it just means that at the time of the testing, there's not SARS-CoV-2 virus present. He says it's also hard to differentiate between COVID and other respiratory viruses like the flu. So get tested if you have symptoms, especially before you head to grandma's house. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Health officials overseeing medical care in the Santa Clara County jail system say they can't adequately quarantine people who've contracted COVID-19 because they've run out of space. Due to a record surge of more than 200 COVID cases this month, health officials are now recommending a 20% decrease in the jail population, which is strongly opposed by the sheriff's office. In a memo obtained by the San Jose Mercury News, because of the surge, quarantine periods have been reduced from 14 to 10 days, and infected people who are in custody have to be moved around more frequently because of a lack of space. At least one person who is incarcerated tells the Mercury News that those who have contracted the virus have been given only basic provisions and that the jails are not providing items like masks or disinfectants for hygiene purposes. The California Department of Public Health has failed to issue sanctions after finally releasing a report on its troubled coronavirus testing lab here in Southern California. The report was supposed to be released eight months ago, but finally came out just late yesterday. The Valencia Branch Laboratory was found to have significant deficiencies in training and record keeping, but authorities couldn't substantiate whistleblower reports that the lab had destroyed data and documents. The whistle Whistleblowers came forward to CBS 13 in Sacramento, saying unlicensed lab technicians fell asleep while processing samples. They also claimed there were numerous incidents of contamination and swapped samples and thousands of inconclusive COVID tests. But the Department of Public Health says the problems were fixed and it didn't impact the integrity of tests processed at the lab. CBS 13 says it found evidence there were still problems at the lab just last month, a short time before the state renewed its $1.7 billion contract with Perkin Elmer, a diagnostics company which operates the facility. About 80% of students in the Los Angeles Unified School District have gotten at least one dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. The district has set a Sunday deadline for getting the first shot, but students can still get their first dose by the first week of December to make sure they're fully vaccinated once classes start back up after the winter break. While the numbers are encouraging, that leaves about 44,000 students who have not started the vaccination process. Families that don't comply with the mandate will have to enroll their children outside the district or in an independent study program. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Los Angeles County is being sued for making its poorest families endure long waits for food aid. Reporter David Wagner from KPCC has details. After their day laborer father suffered a stroke and could no longer work, one family waited 45 days to receive CalFresh benefits, formerly known as food stamps. That's according to a lawsuit that alleges L.A. County routinely fails to provide assistance to desperate families within three days, as required by state law. The question is, how many days is it okay for someone in our community to go hungry? Lead attorney Lena Silver with Neighborhood Legal Services says the county is putting thousands of families at risk of hunger each month. Public data shows that in August, L.A. approved less than half of CalFresh applications from very poor households on time. Silver says these delays are inexcusable a year and a half into the pandemic. Other counties have figured it out and have much higher levels of compliance. Alameda County faced a similar lawsuit in 2015. It's now processing 98% of its applications on time. For the California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles. L.A. County didn't immediately respond to a request for a comment. Yesterday, we brought you a story about Diablo Canyon, California's last remaining commercial nuclear power plant located on the central coast in San Luis Obispo County. After decades of calls to shutter the plant, Diablo Canyon is scheduled to fully close in 2025. But there are questions about whether the state will be able to replace the power the plant currently generates, which doesn't emit greenhouse gases, with clean, renewable energy options like wind and solar. That's left some energy experts and environmentalists asking whether Diablo Canyon's closure should be reconsidered and atomic energy continue as a power source. After our Diablo Canyon story aired yesterday, the California report got an email from someone who was part of policy discussions leading up to the plant's closure and who still feels confident in the decision to close the plant. When people say it's clean energy, that's right at a certain level but it doesn't take into account the waste that is left behind. That's Bill Monning, a former California state senator who represented the Central Coast region where Diablo Canyon is located and worked on legislation to help the area prepare for the closure. To help mitigate the impacts to the local communities, to cities, to school districts, and over 300 million to retain workers for the safe decommissioning of that plant. That so communities around the plant won't be blindsided by the closure when it happens in the ways other regions with plants have shut down in the past. And so as people kind of weigh in now and say, well, why don't we keep it open? There's a gap between available renewable energy. Um, This is so-called clean energy. It doesn't take into account that history. And the perhaps most important fact, PG&E was a 
member of this agreement and has no interest in seeking to renew their licensing. And there's no evidence that anybody else does either. Again, that's former California State Senator Bill Monning. Back in April, privacy advocates hailed Apple's decision to let customers opt out of apps tracking you. But Apple is still tracking its own customers and serving them up to advertisers. KQED's Rachel Myro has more from our Silicon Valley desk. One ad Apple released in May explaining the policy shift shows a guy named Felix followed around by an army of people who know too much about him. Name? Felix. Date of birth? November 5th, 1986. They walk too close. Sit too close and peer over his shoulder as he uses his iPhone until he finally clicks on a dialog box that says, Ask App Not to Track. Apple CEO Tim Cook insists privacy is top of mind for the company. Here he is saying as much earlier this year to a privacy and data protection conference in Belgium. As I've said before, if we accept as normal and unavoidable that everything in our lives can be aggregated and sold, then we lose so much more than data. We lose the freedom to be human. Aww. When asked at the company's latest earnings call this fall, Cook reiterated that consumer control over privacy was the company's motivation. Quote, there's no other motivation. But at the same time, Apple has cleared a path for itself to grow its advertising business by one estimate from mobile analytics software company Branch tripling its market share in the months after it introduced the privacy changes to iPhones that obstructed rivals like Facebook and Google. That tripling may be a little bit of an overestimate, but you know they've definitely grown their market share for mobile advertising as a direct result of this policy. Eric Sufert is an independent analyst covering mobile advertising, especially for gaming companies. And so Apple collects that data about you, um, and it uses that data to sort of populate the ad placements there, just like recommended apps, apps that it thinks that, you know, you would like to download. Just like any other ad platform, Google, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. They complained before and after Apple's policy change. Facebook even took out full-page ads in newspapers to advertise its displeasure. But the advertisers who buy the ads from these platforms aren't necessarily screaming bloody murder. Chris Stevens, chief marketing officer for the parking app Spot Hero, says he doesn't mind it, really. No, I I don't really blame profit-seeking entities for trying to make profit. And if Apple temporarily reduces the number of ads coming at iPhone users in an era when lawmakers and regulators appear unwilling or unable to, well, who's going to weep crocodile tears for advertisers? Stephen says it's up to those companies to craft campaigns that intrigue and delight rather than annoy and alarm. That's actually a symptom of a bad marketing campaign. It's not really a symptom of a bad technology except that a growing number of people are not that keen on the inescapable nature of the surveillance ad economy, buying and selling zombie profiles of you, bombarding you with personalized pitches for things you don't want or need. Even so, Stevens and others say Apple's credibility with consumers is unlikely to suffer because most consumers are completely unaware Apple operates in the ad space, serving you up to advertisers just as everybody else who can does. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro in Menlo Park. 
And that is the California Report for Tuesday, November 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at schmidtfutures.com. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.